You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome back to Nightmare on Film Street, the horror movie podcast for the casually obsessed. I'm John. I'm Kim. And this week we are kicking off a double feature of bite-sized frights from your favorite masters of horror. We're talking about tiny terrors from some of the best in the biz. Uh, We're discussing horror anthologies over the next two episodes, and we're kicking it off with Body Bags. From 1993. From 1993. You could almost call it John Carpenter's Body Bags. Featuring Toby Hooper. Featuring a lot of everybody you know and love. Like, goddamn, name a director or an actor from a famous horror movie. They're in it. You know what breaks my goddamn heart about this movie? What? Is that it was supposed to be a TV show. (gasps) This was supposed to be Showtime's version of Tales from the Crypt, and they pulled the plug before before they'd even finished filming the first season, so they cobbled it together into a movie, and thank fucking God they did. I would die if I found out that this was sitting on a shelf collecting dust. Wow. That is such a good premise for a TV show, though, being introduced by a coroner who's who's starting each story with a different body that's come into the morgue. That's endless. Endless. Yeah, apparently John Carpenter, though, hated it. <laughs> the He's, premise or being the... Being in the makeup. <laughs> He's like, oh, this would be a fun idea. I'll put on some makeup. I'll be a ghoul. I'll just goof around on set. It'll be a blast. He fucking hated it because it took hours to do the makeup and then by that point he was like i don't want to be here anymore oh my god i love john carpenter so much he's he's just such a grumpy old man now that seeing him you know a few years previous in the 90s being a good sport and being like the horror host and you're just like I bet you don't want to do this. (laughs) Yeah, there was an interview with him recently, I think, where he was talking about how he just wants to stay at home and play video games. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I got to direct these horror movies every once in a while. It's fun and all, but I just want to watch wrestling and play video games. One of my favorite quotes from him is that, like, he hasn't seen some of the Halloween sequels, but he doesn't really care. Like, and people are like, well, do you hate those, like, you know, some of the the those middle Halloween sequels and you're like, see, the funny thing happens when they make another Halloween. I open my hand and somebody puts a check in it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. That's that's the extent of my involvement in a new Halloween movie. Love it. I love it. Practical and just so honest. We should we should all be channeling that John Carp that 80-year-old John that's Carpenter energy. My new my new goal in life is just to exude adult John Carpenter energy. We've seen so many interviews. Zero fucks zero fucks given he's he was doing like a lifetime achievement award at fantasia and he's just like hey what's up it's me I'm in my living room wishing i could still smoke <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite things really recently he was part of a series that just came out it's like a um, documentary style horror anthology called suburban screams it's a series and in part of the press kit they had photos of john carpenter you know, doing the cuts and the edits from his living room, his favorite chair, I'm assuming. Okay. Um, but on the coffee table, right next to the chair, is a jar of, like, mini Hershey bars. <laughs> it's, like, fun-sized mini Hershey yes, bars. Yes, yeah. and you know those are, like, just for him, his little treat when he's playing his video games. Don't touch Johnny's chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. 
Oh, man. And, you know, unfortunately, we did not get years and years, seasons and seasons of him as the as the demented coroner at this weirdo morgue. Uh, but we did get an incredible film featuring some just like stellar fucking short storytelling in Body Bags 1993. Kim, before we get into Do we it, have to do three good things? I feel like we already kind of have. John Carpenter, John Carpenter, Toby Hooper. Okay, fine. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> surprise appearance from a dead Sam Raimi. <laughs> and Wes Craven. And Wes. Who's Wes... a surprisingly good actor? Oh my god! <laughs> give him a fuck. Give him a fucking award. Wes Craven should have done more acting for yeah. his tiny little role in this movie. Why did I was expecting him to be the bad guy in the end? He was so good at being a so creep. So good. <laughs> And I guess those are our three good things. <laughs> and I guess those those five things are our three good things. We're going to toss over to the trailer. When we get back, we're going to talk about body bags. From John Carpenter. Something's coming. Maybe I'll see you around, huh? I see things. I think maybe I can help you. Something strange. Weird. Gruesome. Painful. Sexy. Yes, yes! When can we do it? Something shocking. <laughs> Your brains are the only food on which we can thrive. <laughs> what have you done to me? Something terrifying. <laughs> Finish digging your grave. John Carpenter presents Body Bags. Yeah, Wes Craven can play a creep. Like, seriously. There was just a few moments of, like, eye acting because in this first segment, we're following a gas station attendant, Annie. It's her first night on the job. She's working the overnight shift. We're not even going to talk about how she should not be doing that. Uh, but Frankly, no one should work an overnight no, shift at a gas station. Say, it e should be for a robot. <laughs> <laughs> a robot, yes. But even though it's locked and, you know, she's, she's doing everything through, like, a transactionary window, she deals with sketchy characters immediately. And one of them is Wes Craven, and he's only there for, like, a minute and a half, and it it is the scariest minute and a half because he's so good at eye acting. He's just a, li a little disheveled. He, he's got a smile Maybe on his face, he's had, but you don't you know, trust it. a couple drinks, so he's got that boldness about him. You just, you wouldn't want to be in a locked room with him, right? I wouldn't want to be in a locked booth next to him. <laughs> and it's just, it's just the way he's holding himself, you know? Like, it's all physical acting. He says maybe ten words in the whole goddamn segment, but the whole time you're like, this guy. And you know what? I love John Carpenter as the mortician, but you can kind of tell... He's not fully into it. He's not going full Beetlejuice into the role. You know mm. what I mean? There's there's a there's a layer of restraint. He's no crypt keeper. Uh, he, well, yeah. I mean, he is a keeping crypts, but <laughs> his jokes are good. You know, it's the delivery's not a hundred percent. It's just a little stiff and solid, and I, I still love it. I still think it's fantastic. I oh, love yeah. every moment of it. But ha having seen Wes Craven for two minutes in his little segment, I'm like, why didn't they flip these? This guy <laughs> should have been hosting the show. Absolutely. <laughs> He would have been I know perfect. this is John Carpenter's bag. <laughs> He's doing the whole thing, 
But <laughs> all right, we got a little ahead of ourselves. Uh, body bags currently sitting. I don't know if it fucking matters anyway. At six point two out of ten on IMDb, sixty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. With a more importantly, with a thirty-nine percent audience rating. How is that possible? Wow. I, I don't get. I don't get that. Everybody I know likes this movie. Anyway, Letterboxd, the real audience rating, three point two out of five. It you know it might just be um because of the time it came out because the '90s was just so thick with like Tales from the Crypts, Tales from the Dark Sides. Mm. There there was a lot of horror anthology content, and this one isn't like after you get past the great morgue premise, it's just it's just shorts. It's just horror shorts. They're they're great. I was gonna say like they're it's, good. It's we're gonna, just a plus shorts. We're gonna okay. ta- <laughs> we're gonna talk about them, but. They very well, you could put the Crypt Keeper in front of these. Oh, yeah. And they belong, they could belong in any of them. What's wrong with that? Nothing, nothing is wrong with that. Me in 2023 is saying nothing is wrong with that. God damn it, Kim, I want some answers. (laughs) (laughs) But fuck, is it 30 years ago? Ew, that's so gross. It's exactly 30 years ago. 30 years ago in 1993. Shudder. People had a lot of horror anthology content. That's true. But here's the best part about horror anthologies, right? They're good. They're incredible. (laughs) You could watch a million of them. It's like you couldn't necessarily, now you probably could, but you wouldn't admit that you could order a large pizza and eat the whole goddamn thing to yourself, but you could totally, totally eat like two or three boxes of bagel bites, no problem. <laughs> like, you come home from school in the afternoon, you you could eat an entire freezer full of bagel bites, but you couldn't eat a whole pizza to yourself. For some reason, that's a little harder. That's what horror anthologies are like. You could watch a thousand of these tiny little stories. 20, 30-minute bites, you could watch that all goddamn day. If you watched eight movies in a row, and we have, you'd be exhausted. Sorry, I'm still trying to process the bagel bite analogy. <laughs> Were you one of those weird people that put the bagel bites in the microwave because they gave you that like weird like this isn't metal but for some reason it makes the bottom of them crispy even if you put them in the microwave? Uh, I was one of those not rich people that didn't have a toaster oven, so yeah, I put them in the microwave. <laughs> that was for the fancy side of town. <laughs> <laughs> we were on the on the good side of the train tracks. So we had a toaster oven. <laughs> La ti da. All right, so yeah, the first segment. There really were train tracks dividing the town. <laughs> There's train tracks dividing every town. Um, in the first segment of Body Bags, we have Annie, who is coming in for her uh, her first night shift at a gas station working overnight. It's the worst fucking gig in the world. But, I mean, she thinks it's going to work out fine because she's studying for school and she's got she's got work to do, like school work to do. So she thinks this is the perfect time to do it. This is, you know what, honestly, incredibly accurate to real life. Anytime that I've ever had to have any sort of like interaction with a late night gas station attendant that's behind a locked door, they've always got school books and I'm always maybe drunk, you know? So there's always this dynamic of like, ah, fuck, you're doing it right. I'm doing it wrong. (laughs) Anyway, can I get a bag of chips? (laughs) You should probably mention in this, you are either the passenger or not. Coming from a car. <laughs> I mean, half the people in this are just walking up to the window. There's maybe, like, I don't know, eight people that come to the gas station. Only two of them are driving cars. Yeah. And one of them is the dude from American Werewolf in London. He's great. He's really good. And handsome in this, I okay. will say. <laughs> yeah, Kim's like, you know, he really aged into a into a man. And I was like, okay, Kim. <laughs> okay, I didn't say it like that, but he looks great. <laughs> Kim doesn't know how the rest of the segment ended. She was just looking at photos of him on her phone. <laughs> I was like, wow, that was the killer? Oh, wow. <laughs> anyway, like the, the big setup here is that she's got several keys. One for the public restroom, which it's amazing that they're handing out keys to the public restroom after dark. And a key that locks the, the attendant room door. So the door shuts behind her automatically. If she doesn't bring the key with her, she's fucked. She's locked out. 
which happens in minutes. <laughs> <laughs> which happens instantly. <laughs> Immediately. The, the American werewolf in London guy forgets his credit card. She runs after him to give it back and like, oops, we're locked out now. And a, a whole host of weirdos keep showing up and she's got to like figure out how to get back into the fucking room safely. It, you know, as chill as she was when her friend was dropping her off, every single person she's super suspicious of. Every single oh, yeah, one she's like, yeah, no, this is fine. I'll be good. This is easy. And then easy she's job. very uncomfortable being there. And you're like, maybe you regret doing this. Yeah, she forgot that she was going to have to meet like a creepy Wes Craven and a whole bunch of other weirdos who are, you know, the freaks come out at night. Like, it's true. That's just, that's just true. Do you think the homeless man that uh, was sleeping in the washroom drew that weird art. Drew that, like, killer graffiti? Because it's the best graffiti I've ever seen in a bathroom. I know. When she sees it, she freaks the fuck out. It's beautiful. It's incredible. If I saw that, I'd take a photo of it, for like, sure. it is quilt quality for the Hargas <laughs> in Midsummer. That yeah, is yeah, the quality yeah, yeah, of yeah, artwork yeah. on that bathroom stall. If your grandma's the kind of person that would also maybe liquefy a human being, she'd also paint this incredible mural <laughs> in a gas station bathroom. Yeah, if you're listening to this having not rewatched the movie, it's a really well-illustrated demon-type imp, and it's impaling naked women uh, with, like, spears and shit, and it, it's beautifully rendered. Like, Hashtag it's, art. It, yeah, it is... A tapestry-worthy depiction. It, it's definitely the kind of shit that you'd get from AI if you asked it to give you some just, like, cool-ass folk horror art for your new death metal album or something. Yeah, and you're like, oh, but I want really, like, long, flowing golden hair. Like, the women were mermaids but have legs. <laughs> I, to answer your qu actual question instead of just riffing on that, um, I don't think the homeless guy did it. I think it was probably the murderer. Do you think the murderer did it? I don't know. I think because the markers are still there, so you're assuming it was done recently. But maybe it's just you know, like gas stations are weird. Like that's just one of the asides of the of the short. Like yeah, gas stations are just creepy at night. Yeah, and maybe it was just a kid who just showed up and left, saw the homeless guy sleeping on the ground. I was like, eh. <laughs> yeah, and that homeless guy also a, ca a cameo. Like I can never remember the actor's name. He's in a billion things. He shows up in lots of cowboy westerns and comedies. He's one of the goofy dumb cops in Tammy and the T Rex. Uh, he's just he's all over the place but he, every single role in this in this movie in all of these segments everything is filled by some sort of person you should know even the people that weren't instantly recognizable I was like I should probably look up who they are I bet they're in something we know it was definitely just friends right like they oh, just yeah. gathered all their friends and were like we're filming at a gas station this weekend yeah even Sam Raimi it, like posed for a, an employee of the month photo for the gas station <laughs> well I think he probably showed up to be the corpse okay Sam the, the root spoiler alert from Kim <laughs> it's here. a Five minutes short, John. <laughs> and I've already mentioned ahead of time that, yes, at some point she opens a locker and discovers the body of Sam Raimi, the real gas station attendant. I love that. What a good reveal. Yeah, because the guy that showed up, uh, the guy that was there when she showed up, gave her the keys, left, is the real murderer. He never went away. He was sort of like... <laughs> hung around and waited until she got super scared and then tried to murder her with a sledgehammer. A sledgehammer? A sledgehammer. They legit uh they legit smashed that gas station window. Yeah. It's a really good sequence. Like they must have only had one glass and they were like we are going to hit this motherfucking glass until it's gone. Those were some serious upper arm strength whacks. <laughs> He's got that crazed murderer strength, right? Yeah. I do appreciate that even when he finally broke, like sledgehammer to to break through the plexiglass safety glass of the of the the attendant station, 
obvious. It's the right tool for the job. But she locks herself in the tiny little bathroom inside that attendant station. And I just love that they didn't switch to an axe. Like, he's still bashing down that door with a sledgehammer. But he does hears Johnny into it. <laughs> he kind of hears Johnny's into it, yeah. But she hits him in the face with a chair, and it incapacitates him like she hit him with a fucking boulder. Yeah, and so much so that she doesn't seem concerned about him at all no, anymore. She, she keeps turning her back to him. He gets up, she turns her back to him again. Yeah, one little tap. I mean, he's on the ground at this point. I, but she's just like, oh, oh, thank God it's over. Oh, better slowly make my way to safety <laughs> with my cool-ass high-waisted denim jeans. The Levi's were on point in this segment. God, I love the 90s. Um, but she, yeah, I think she broke his nose. So like, I, I understand him being like, oh, this fucking hurts. And like, my eyes are watering and I can't do anything. But why did she turn her back? No idea. But she kills him in the absolute best possible way, right? Like, so he, he gets up. He starts attacking her. He's got her pinned. She tries to sort of, like, hide or get away in a, in a truck that's in the garage attached to the gas station. And before she can, like, turn the engine over and peel out of there, he just activates the lift, hoists her a few feet off the air, and he's going to cut her fucking head off with a machete until uh, the, the, the good Samaritan stranger from American Werewolf in London shows up to scuffle with him. Uh, and she... This is this is the coolest goddamn thing. Uh, she gets out of the car and lowers the truck while he's sort of like slipped and knocked out on the floor and just squishes the fuck out of him. That's a very low riding truck. That was I was thinking about that too. Like <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how that's kind of possible, but let's believe it. I believe it. Sure, geyser of blood comes out of that guy. Yeah, it was lovely. I'm gonna say favorite segment of the bunch. Absolutely. It was just so well done. We didn't even really talk that there's some really great camera angles. That's yeah. Like we follow feet. We follow the. Yeah, we follow feet. We follow. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we follow her. Feet. Yeah. Now I can't speak anymore. We follow her feet from like her space to the actual mechanics garage, and because there's like an eerie suspense to it, they're using kind of fun, almost, almost fisheye lenses but they're not quite it's just enough that everything's a little bit askew and they use that a lot to great effect when she's in the locked gas station attendance area yeah because it's such a small space and it's just something a little bit rounded about it it's really great well it's also because we're usually in the pov i think west craven i think we're in the pov of west craven at that moment like look gawking at her a little bit so like the the lens is a little like she's under a microscope uh it's an incredible use of uh, tricks that would have already been in John Carpenter's bag. I don't think we mentioned that this segment's directed by John Carpenter. And I think anybody going into it's like, oh, John Carpenter, the guy that did Halloween. And well, it's, it's set in Haddonfield, isn't it? It's set in <laughs> Haddonfield. I don't know how much they I like that. They just have serial murderers. It's just a nod, it's I just think. A, it's, it's just a nod. It's just a nod. And, but it, it is a, you know, stock and slash kind of story, like a Halloween it's a mini 20 minute slasher movie in a in a secluded location and i think he's not doing it like like james wan playing around with malignant but he is sort of playing on your expectations of what a slasher movie from john carpenter looks like yeah there's a really great trick where we almost think we're in pov like killer pov yeah and you know, like Michael Myers wearing the mask, walking through and killing his sister, like the iconic killer POV. And we feel like we're doing something like that when we're in the mechanics garage. This is like the greatest part of this thing. And there's a trick where it's not that at all. It's just great camera work. We're following the character, but she gets spooked by an air hose and it's it's cut so well that you're jumping back and forth between whether you believe you're in the perspective of the killer or not. It's just so yeah, well done. It's a great little fake out. 
Yeah, and it's, it, and it's playing with your your expectations as an audience, like you were saying. Yeah, it's a post-slasher, which is great, because it's a couple years before Scream. It's uh, obviously a few years after, like, all of the big slasher movies from the 80s, so everybody's a little worn down on it. It is a great, fresh take on a subgenre that, I mean, I that we all know and love, and people were probably a little bored with by 1993. And just a fun little premise. Like, yeah. I love the idea of keeping everything so isolated and so few characters. Yeah. And that's probably why it works so well at 20 minutes because, you know, it's not a girl and her five, a final girl and her five friends. Yes. It's just her. Yeah. Uh, it was so fun. Yeah, it's incredibly well made. The second segment is truly the weirdest one of the bunch, though, right? The second segment's called Hair. It stars Stacey Keach, also directed by John Carpenter, which feels weird for an anthology movie. You've got three segments, Two of them are directed by the same guy. But when you know that it was supposed to be a TV show, that starts to make a little more sense. Mm -hmm. Because it was probably that the first two segments were one episode. And maybe Toby Hooper's third segment would have been paired with something else that just didn't end up getting finished. Stacey Keach in this this is a uh, middle-aged balding man who's having a real hard time dealing with the fact that he's losing his hair. And he essentially discovers a miracle hair growth treatment that is... Out of this world. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great log line, John. I don't know how else to fucking describe it, right? I love Stacy Keach. And I like Stacy Keach so much that I would put up with weird jazz sexy music for a solid half hour just because he's such a great presence on camera. Okay, let's not knock the jazz because I was... <laughs> no, you go ahead. I'm just going to put some... I was feeling the 90s of this segment. There was there was dining rooms on carpet. There was wallpaper and just satin pillowcases with ruffles. Yeah, you Did th- you not feel like you were perusing a Sears catalog? Like, yes. look, like trying to get to the toy section? <laughs> it was insufferable. I loved it. <laughs> it was it was very good. I mean, if you've watched any sort of like erotic thriller or any sort of TV movie from the late 80s, early 90s, this was the score. <sighs> but I don't know. The, the other painful thing is that, one, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I, I like Stacey, he's just like, oh, God, what am I supposed to do with this? His head looks exactly like my head right now. It's a little <laughs> bushy on the sides. It's quite thin on top. And we're both trying to figure out how to fucking deal. Uh, I love that this was like a found footage film for you. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it cut me to the core. <laughs> but <there's, laughs> everything that he does is nonsensical. Like He does that, that old paint your head technique it looks awful they you know what a sport he was because they definitely glue down like what hair he has so it looks like you think so yeah like it's glued down by the paint and oh, it looks okay okay it looks so skull cappy it's not flattering but his girlfriend kisses him on the head to try and comfort him <laughs> she's got fucking brown lips it is a very funny segment because for the first half of it is just him trying fruitlessly all of these hair treatments. Oh, he's trying everything. And probably the the most realistic part for you and probably the most hurtful part uh-huh. was when he goes to the salon and there's the the barber with the like perfect luxurious Tarzan yeah. like blow dried hair. Uh-huh. And he's like we have to cut it off. Like you can, there's no salvaging this. You can't we're not no, we're not styling it. We're just cutting it off. I'm living this man's night. He right throws now. his rug in the trash. Yeah, he, there's a, there's a whole segment right after that where he's he's got his hair quaffed, and it's just like the weirdest comb over. Like we're taking all the hair from the sides and we're putting it on top, trying to make it look 
Fuller, uh, and he's just longingly staring at all these people with beautiful hair. At first, Who we found out from the credits, one of them was Greg Nicotero. <laughs> Greg Nicotero. And his dog. And his dog. Like, I think maybe he's maybe, he's even more jealous of the dog than he is of Greg Nicotero. Oh, such a good cut. <laughs> <laughs> Great gag. I thought you were going to say Stacey Keach is such a sport. Because this is just a 20-minute segment of essentially pointing out something he's probably himself quite self-conscious of. Like, as an actor, as a performer who has to be on camera all the time, like, hey, can you show up and let us make fun of you for a week on camera? Yeah, I guess it wasn't special effects, maybe, the balding. <laughs> no, I don't think they did anything. Maybe he got a hair transplant after, and he was like, might as well get some some dough out of this to pay for my hair transplant. I think, uh, yeah, he's just like, they're going to fucking pay me to look this bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think Stacey Keach is just a tough son of a bitch. Just a good sport. Yeah, just a real good sport. It, hey, heads up, too. Like, if you aren't familiar hey, with Hey, if Stacey... you're balding and you need someone to talk to. <laughs> Men out there. I'm talking to you. <laughs> no, Stacy Keach, if you're unfamiliar with his work, you've probably seen him in Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke. He's the crazy cop in that. He's hilarious in it. Uh, I probably first became aware of him as as Titus's dad from the show Titus. Did you watch that show? Mm-mm. Oh, you missed out. He's like the best, worst dad ever. But I know a lot of people discovered this movie over Halloween for the 31-day horror challenge. You gotta check him out in this Australian slasher movie called Road Games. It stars Jamie Lee Curtis. Stacy Keach is a truck driver who thinks that he's discovered a serial killer who's oh, leaving body parts all along the Australian highway. And he, he's worried that Jamie Lee Curtis is going to be the next victim. It's a tight little thriller. And it's, it's one of dark. my favorite discoveries of the past few years. Right? The first five minutes of this movie is the best giallo I've ever seen. <laughs> the best Australian giallo. <laughs> the best Australian giallo, yeah. We're almost completely glossing over probably the best cameo of the whole movie fucking debbie harry as the crazy assistant to this hair doctor she is erratic she's weird right she's she's serving magenta just like, i was gonna say that very, she's like straight out of rocky horror yeah she's very like oversexed and just about it she's debbie harry <laughs> have you seen videodrome have you watched any blondie music videos it's debbie harry baby <laughs> the reveal at the end of this I don't know, man. It's so it's so it's, strange. And it's if this were a, f- a feature length film, there is no third act. Like absolutely we, not. We get into the so we, he gets his hair. It's luxurious. It's wonderful. He goes with like a very very long uh, Brendan Fraser in George of the Jungle oh. <laughs> hairdo. Yes. I already said Tarzan. I'm running out of references for long hair here. He's uh, got a certain loincloth kind of look. <laughs> It's a very loin quality. He looks like the villain in The Crow, where he's got the big, long fucking hair, and I just want your goddamn eyes, it's, man. It's braidable, is what it is. And it's beautiful, except every time he goes to sleep at night, it grows more and It more. doesn't stop growing. And also, worms seem to be crawling out of him and off him uh. and, and away from him. Well, yeah, because he cuts the hair a little bit, and the hair hits the ground and sort of inches away, like, oh, God, we gotta get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, you can see it growing through his veins, popping out his skin in all the wrong spots. And it looks great. It looks awesome. They did such a good job in that one little moment where it it looks like it's veining through him and mm-hmm. it pops through the skin. Like it's probably illustration. It's probably cartoon on top of what they filmed. Oh, I think so. It looks great. Yeah, there's there's even a moment where they get a magnifying glass where he's holding a teeny little 
piece of hair in his fingers. And uh, and it's like a snick. <laughs> it's like a little snick. It's got little mouths and it's like... And we find out it's fucking aliens, yeah, guys. Yeah, so when he finally, like, it's hair's growing on his face. He's got all these open sores where worms are coming out. Yeah. He goes back to the hair transplant office, and he's like, what the fuck have you done to me? And they're like, we're aliens, and we live in you. Yeah, we eat your brains. Bye! And then <laughs> That's it's the over. end. That's the fucking end. Like, they show him a mirror. They show him the aliens. And it's just, and then he's just catatonic and, and basically dead inside. He's a husk. Eight out of ten. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> This is the best part about horror anthologies. Either you get, like in the first segment with the gas station, you get a whole movie in 20 minutes, or you get something that doesn't really have an end, but you leave at the exact right time. <laughs> like, this is a fucking weird premise. Bye now. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Like, no surprise. Another direct- Another episode directed by John Carpenter. Dude likes aliens more than you would think. Give me a point of reference for this. They live. Oh? Ghosts of Mars. Oh? Body bags. <laughs> the thing. The thing. Hmm. He's way he's he's maybe into sci-fi more than he's into horror. To be perfectly honest, you take that back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, all of his sci-fi is very scary, but it is very sci-fi. I'm surprised at just how funny this was. You know, the real, whole thing. Realizing that it was directed by John Carpenter, and you're just like, he was funny playing the morgue attendant. He's directing a funny segment. You're like. Where did these yucks come from, John? He didn't do it, yeah. And, it's like, and he didn't need he didn't need Kurt Russell to deliver it either. Like Big Trouble in Little China, hilarious. But we all assume it's Kurt. Like <laughs> Kurt's responsible for all of it. <laughs> like I'm as soon as that movie starts, you're already smiling. So getting me to laugh, not super hard. But yeah, this episode was hysterical. Well, and they live too. You have Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh man, too funny. The funniest fight sequence in all of film. <laughs> Unintentionally funny. Now the third segment also. Quite bizarre. And directed by the iconic Toby Hooper. Yeah, and one of the coolest things I noticed is I think the characters live in the same neighborhood from Poltergeist. That's what Kim thinks. And it might be true. But I don't I'm know just that. gonna say that that's fact. It's true. I didn't research it, but it looks to be accurate. I don't even think you knew it was directed by Toby Hooper at the I time didn't. when you said it. That's I why I was like, like, I was like, well, it's pretty perfect you say that because. And then I was like, well, then it's true. It's gotta be true. <laughs> We've checked. If, yeah, we don't have to fact check this at all. It's is the emotional truth we're living in when we talk about body bags. <laughs> First one set in Haddonfield. This one set in what is it? Cuesta Verde or Cuesta Verde? Yeah. Oh yeah. Phase, this is phase three. For sure. Oh, yeah, Yeah. totally. Phase three. (laughs) And it does feature him digging up the backyard. (laughs) And there's bones in it, maybe. there's fucking bones in it. In such a bizarre choice, though. So Mark Hamill uh, gets into a car. It's like a 45-year-old baseball player trying to make it to the big leagues. Trying to make it to the big leagues. (laughs) With his 45-year-old wife, played by Twiggy. Yeah. Like a surprising, like, we were just like, we should know who this is. Uh, yeah, it turns out she's a supermodel from the 60s. Yeah, and they're both starting their lives. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, uh, maybe that's part of the humor of it, though, right? It's just like, there's no fucking way. Like, it'd, be, it'd be incredible if the rest of the team were 22-year-olds. And it's just Mark Hamill, like, hey, cool kids, y'all ready for the major leagues? <laughs> I finally grew this mustache. Uh, yeah, Mark Hamill in a mustache is a look. It's... I was so I was I was gonna say that like he gets into a car accident, loses his eye, you know, gets an eye transplant, but the eye is evil. <laughs> and for some, like you'd think it would be important that he was a baseball player. 
Like you'd think that was integral to the story somehow. Uh, maybe he's that's... like, I need that eye for for hitting balls. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe that's kind of why he's been like pushed ahead in the line, kind of why this is also oh because he does have major league potential. <laughs> well, no, it's just like of all the people you know on the wait list, he provides for his family with depth perception. <laughs> he provides for his family with depth perception. Okay. Yeah, I don't think you could have a successful baseball career with one eyeball. But he could have been... Well, apparently you can be an umpire with one, but you cannot be a pitcher. Well, it's because you don't have to catch. Like, you just got to make calls, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, no depth perception. It's going to be real hard to... You d- Wait, every... don't umpires catch? Don't they catch the balls that... No, that's a catcher. There's a catcher and an umpire. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the catcher's part of the other well, team. Well, when we were playing as kids, we did not have two roles there. there no, was absolutely not. <laughs> the union wouldn't allow it. <laughs> But he could have been he could have been anything else. You know, like he could like there are so many jobs and reasons that you need two eyes. So But anyways, he loses his eye, he gets an evil one. And he starts to yeah, he starts to hallucinate. There is an end. No, but first he's just getting camera flashes. He's going about his life and he's just like, Oh headache, oh headache, oh headache, brown eye headache. Sounds surprising. I mean it sounds it checks out. Like, I would expect that. Yeah, well, I co- would expect some headaches yeah. after a new eye. Yeah, you just had, like, a cassette tape rammed into your face, and then somebody put a new eyeball in there. You I, know, <laughs> it's funny that we mentioned that the second one was very, like, documentary style for you, because when we watched this last night, uh-huh. I had a headache. So watching this <laughs> segment, I was, I was, it was extra visceral for me. We had an immersive experience with this one. <laughs> yeah, truly. Like, people are constantly rubbing Mark Hamill's head, like, oh, honey, and I, I was feel just bad like, oh. for you. <laughs> You're just like, I want this to end. <laughs> I murdered my wife if the headache went away. Turn the lights off. <laughs> there is an incredible jump scare in this movie where he is looking out at the backyard. I don't know what he's got mapped out. Is he like I have no idea. Nobody an ever ex- to the house? explains it. Like is it a pool? Is it a garden? At one point he's furiously mapping stuff off which you think would lead to some importance. I don't know what he's mapping on. I have no idea what he's doing. He's like, we're gonna put the player here, put a player here. But he's, but he's <laughs> we're gonna put the posies over here. We're gonna bury my wife right over here in the corner of this tree. <laughs> we're gonna need a fountain, yeah, a nice little fountain. <laughs> it's gonna really tie the backyard together. <laughs> but he uh he's he's How lo- much sod? <laughs> he's looking out in the goddamn backyard in the middle of the night at just a a, a uh you know a, a barren backyard and then from the dirt a fucking corpse comes flying out like a woman screaming for help basically you know inches away from death and the hallucinations get even worse from there like he's having sex with his wife and he starts to imagine that she's a corpse oh and, and that's and a really he loves weird... it yeah and he oh he really and loves we it see his bum it's a lot <laughs> there's, yeah there's a lot going on in that scene uh the, the one of the better ones too is when he he puts a whole bunch he puts a whole breakfast that his wife made for him because he's an asshole in the in the trash compact he's got a headache he's nauseous john i'm with him on this he doesn't want breakfast okay <laughs> I guess he at least waits until she leaves. He, he, but he sits down. He doesn't say thank you or anything No, for he it. is in a mood. He is being like, I'm possessed with evil, so I'm going to be rude to you. Yeah, he's a bit of a dick. And when he when he turns on the disposal, like the, the sink disposal, a fucking hand comes out. And it's just like there's blood everywhere and it's spinning around. It does a great shit. spin. It's a real good spin. And obviously, he thinks that's weird. <laughs> so... <laughs> His solution is to go fishing around in there with his own goddamn hand. And, and he just pulls out scramby eggs. He's like, hmm, normal. Like, don't. <laughs> Guys, I'm telling you right now, if, especially if you start hallucinating, 
don't put your hand in the food processor. Like, <laughs> that sounds oh. like one of those Canadian co- commercials we would have put on during a watch party. Yeah, where, like, like some, tr- some nice little Muppets. Yeah, a nice little puppet. You may, oh, Maybe man. a puppet of scrambled eggs is like, don't come grab me in the compactor. <laughs> it's an easy way to lose your hands, guys. Yeah, don't put your hand in there. <laughs> Mark Hamill. Fuck it, Mark Hamill. But most of the segment is just him hallucinating. Yeah. Um, him hallucinating dead bodies and corpses and stuff. Like, he digs up the backyard. He thinks he sees feet. And then he's like, oh, no, there's no feet. And then he sees feet again. And It's a surprisingly long segment. Like, it's it's a little, like, it's it's a big story. They stretch it out. But he turns on his wife way faster than you think. Yeah, because the buildup is kind of long and slow. And then all of a sudden he is evil. Yeah, she comes home one day and he's digging and she's like, come on, honey, you you can come inside. It's getting late. And he's like, I can't quit now. I gotta finish digging your grave. And then he tries to kill her with a shovel. The best turn, though. So good. As abrupt as it was, real No, that's what I mean. Like, the brilliance is in the abruptness. Yeah. That's, like, they they did not, you, I I did not expect it to happen yet. I thought we had, like, another 20 minutes of him slowly becoming evil, but he's just like, no, we're killing her now. Uh, It's a a great little turn. Uh, Surprisingly, I don't know how, uh, it's hard to say. Like Mark Hamill as evil is always a little strange. I mean, the bloodshot eye really helps. I think that yeah, that the maybe eye, sells it. Pretty creepy. Yeah, his it's... like his his voice acting work as a villain stellar. Like let's let's like goddamn dude's amazing when it comes to like I don't know being the Joker. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the eye definitely helps it. And because he's possessed, like he does have like moments. Uh, where he's back and he's like sort of like haunted by what he's doing. Yeah, and, and before he's possessed, we have we haven't we haven't really conveyed the dad bod. He is ro- <laughs> like full like tight gray sweatpants with the tight ankle, the dad oh, sneakers, the sweatpants, like the Kirkland <laughs> brand sweatpants. Yeah, and the mat like the matching turquoise Kirkland sweater. It's the it's the, <laughs> the mustache more than anything. The sneakers right? for me, Fuck. and they show the sneakers a lot. I love when he comes back from the hospital too, and she's like, "I bought you a present, a present for me." Oh my god, and it's a baby crib. <laughs> she's like, "All right, now put that together, you fuck." <laughs> And he's putting it together all fucking mad. He's like, hey, here, honey. Uh, so glad you're home. Come check this out. It's a half-built crib. And then he's trying to fit the last pieces in. Like, yeah, you fucking, fucking <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> the real dad energy. This is why no one has ever filmed their dad putting together any sort of baby furniture. You'd think that'd be super cute. Maybe you get a Polaroid, but you only have photos from the beginning stages. <laughs> Nothing at the end where he's just like, this fucking thing. <laughs> But I'm just saying that they really needed Mark Hamill energy for the mm, I see what you're saying. for the the dadness of this character because he needs to he needs to be very internally conflicted with his murder eye and his nice eye. <laughs> the big thing is that uh, is th- th- this killer that uh, the, the eyeball that he's gotten has come from somebody who died on death row in the gas chamber. He confronts the doctor who gave it to him, who's a friend of uh, of another doctor played by. Roger Corman. So many fun cameos in this goddamn movie. Um, I mean, he's probably a cameo we're just not placing at this moment, too. I looked him up. Like, I don't think I, like, I've seen some stuff that he's in. He's just an actor that's like, you know, these guys are probably big fans of. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, he finds out that the eyeballs from a from a like sadistic serial killer who killed like twenty seven women. Uh, he killed all of them with garden shears. And they were also like, and he's a necrophiliac, and you're like, oh, oh I don't want to no. go there. <laughs> and we do, because Toby Hooper does not care. <laughs> he's like, oh, you think you're uncomfortable? Give it a couple more minutes. <laughs> uh, the the best part though is that we, you know, the the, the source of all of this horror is the eyeball that he's had transplanted and in a in a panicked moment of lucidity where he's mark hamill's back and it it isn't his dark passenger in the driver's seat uh he grabs the garden shears that he was about to kill his wife in and just jams them into his fucking eye he really could have just Take it. You could have just taken the eyeball out, right? Yeah, because we find out when we go back to the the interstitial bits, like the the morgue where John Carpenter is our host. Mark Hamill's character is there with the impaled eye. So you're like, oh fuck, he he went fully into the brain. You're, you're like, still surprised by this? I, it's called body bags. Like he introduces every segment by like, hey, you got to check out the story behind this course. I know. I just. You're like, no, he not was him. gonna be a dad. <laughs> He's gonna be. Oh, now she's a single mom. <laughs> well, and yeah, and he survived the car accident and only lost the eye. So I thought maybe he would just lose the eye and then he went way overboard. Yeah, he did. He went real far. <laughs> he went real deep with that <laughs> with them shears. Uh, the, I think the weirdest part for me, though, not that he died at the end, but that when he was finally attacking his wife, he tied her up with her own hair. Oh, yeah. He took her hair. And she was real stuck. <laughs> and tied it around a table leg. That was fucking And somehow, weird. like, she, she, I guess she was trying to untie it with her hands, and that was the whole scene. Yeah. We were just like, are you really that stuck? Like, I can't tie my hair into a bun and have it stay for more than 10 minutes <laughs> without a hair tie. <laughs> yeah, let alone be marked for death by it. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a funny point, man. I completely forgot about that. And when it was happening, too, I was like, what's he doing back there? And it's not. She doesn't have very long hair. She has shoulder length hair. <laughs> That's a weird little touch. That would fucking suck, though. Like, let's imagine that you get tied up by your own hair and you can't get out. That's something about that seems scarier than being tied up with rope. Yeah, I think it's it's probably just a touch just to further convey that he's fully the killer because there was mention that the killer was obsessed with blonde hair because his mom had blonde hair. Oh, right. So I think. Yeah, it's, his it's, first memory is his mom. They're like <laughs> burning oh. him with a cigarette. <laughs> they're really trying to convey that like, this isn't Mark Hamill anymore. Yeah. Uh, this yeah, is yeah. fully the, the killer. A baseball player would never think to do this. <laughs> Depraved. <laughs> Oh, and then and then we get the final the final cameos of the movie in the wraparound where we oh just like mwah, what a great little touch where the the real coroners come back to the morgue. It's Toby Hooper and Tom Arnold and John Carpenter reveals that he's a corpse and has to quickly hop back into one of the other body bags. I love it. And then they do a, a quick little um, autopsy on him, and he keeps like moving his head and looking whenever the whenever the uh, morgue attendants aren't looking. Yeah. It's just cute, sweet, and funny, and it's a great way to end it oh it's the best blood going everywhere chest ripped open and he's just like wink at the camera (laughs) 10 out of 10 yeah i so enjoyed this and i had seen this before but unfortunately i had seen it in a kind of an adult post iphone world where i didn't pay enough attention to it and i don't think i gave it the fucking credit it deserves you know what i i same because I, I had zero memory of that entire first segment. Yeah, and I was just like, I fucking love this. How yeah. come I didn't have this reaction the first time? Like, I remembered the hair segment, and I remembered I'd the same. eye segment. Yeah, and I remember not liking the hair, the eyeball segment at all. Like, I was just like, ah, oh, this is goofy and stupid. I would say it's my least favorite. But, but it's, it's still, still good. <laughs> still decent. Still real good. 
Yeah, this was a huge surprise. I'm so glad we rewatched it. You've been pitching it for the podcast for a while, and I keep going like, I don't know. You know what, though? After like five years of doing the Halloween Horror Challenge, so many people watch this movie around Halloween. Really? Yeah. I'm not so, surprised. Yeah, it's it's a great little watch, and I'm so pleased we finally revisited it because it's true. Like, I haven't watched it specifically because I wanted to do it on the podcast. Yeah. That's always a curse. And now we can watch it whenever we want. Oh, we're free. <laughs> oh, we're free. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I'm giving this one a 3.5 out of 4. Maybe a 3.75. I'm going to give a 4 out of 4. Go for it. I had so much fun. This was a fucking blast. And like, I watched this with a headache. Like, <laughs> yeah. 4 out of 4. That's how you know it's got that bump. Like, I yeah. was grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> it's still delivered. No, that first segment, that first John Carpenter segment is, like, truly, like, the best horror short that I've seen in the last two years or so. It was so. so good. Man, what a blast. I would watch a feature of that, and they wouldn't even have to add anything. Like, they should bring it back. I bet, I mean, it might be hard to convince John Carpenter to, to get in that makeup again, but... I would love to see a grumpier version of that 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 <laughs> a grumpier morgue attendant. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, would, yeah. I would totally dig that. Drinking formaldehyde, talking with corpses, complaining of natural causes, just opening the morgue cases with a like a cane, and just like I'm not even standing up for this. We didn't even talk about the fact that there's a scene where he tries to take a frozen corpse out of a out of a one of those. Um, one of those wall cabinets, and he can't get it out because her breast implants are too big. <laughs> pretty good oh so fucking silly like they maybe maybe showtime got cold feet and they were like this is too much like tales from the crypt we're gonna get sued uh, like we're just gonna get sued into ex- out of existence uh, yeah i don't know maybe it was just because it was too similar and they were like eh, why compete yeah whatever gave us one of the one of the cooler horror anthologies that we've revisited and yeah i'm very much looking forward to putting this back in the regular rotation let us know what you thought of Body Bags. Hit us up on Twitter at NOFS Podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Nightmare on Film Street if you're still on Facebook. Why are we still recommending? Just come to the Discord at nofspodcast.com slash Discord is yeah. where we actually hang out and have conversations about movies. <laughs> We're going to be back next week talking about another bite-sized tale of terror, uh, another horror anthology from some masters of horror, uh, names that you're going to recognize. I'm sure you might be able to you might be able to guess what it is. Uh, I, I, you know, a quick little hint, it's another 90s hit. Uh, and in the meantime, of course, we've got the bonus episodes over in the Fiend Club at nofspodcast.com slash club. We're talking about Hollow Man this month. We also just recorded a Five Nights at Freddy's review. We got a whole bunch of spooky little content going on over there if you need more Nightmare and to support the show. That's all for now. Until next time, I'm Kim. I'm John. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.